Hello everybody and welcome to the Mirror Football Podcast. Uh, we're on tour this week. Uh, we're in the pub. We're genuinely in the pub. It's the hottest day of the year and uh, I say our editor Matt Lawless decided to uh, bring us out. So uh, yeah, Matty, thank it's, you. It's my treat and I suppose I'll be answerable now to HR and uh, the top bosses. But look, it's a great setting. It's fantastic weather and brilliant time to talk about football. What a weekend we've got coming up. Absolutely. And to help us do that around the pub, all with pints in their hand. Uh, we have Alex Richards. How are you doing, Alex? Not bad. Uh, to be fair, if Accrington Stanley are allowed big matches after they win the game, then I don't see why we can't go to the pub. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, Mark Jones is back on as well. Hello. I, I, I don't know you're coming. I'm just here anyway. Just, yeah, yeah, you are. Yeah, yeah. Okay. just finished his shift. Um, yeah. yeah. Let's see, though. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is where Mark lives. This is yeah. where he, there, where is, there is one other person here, but he's, he's not speaking. It's Jake Murtagh, our sports news editor. Yeah. Uh, Jake Murta, is he, is he going to say hi? I think he's keeping an eye I'm on. I want to sponsor silence. Yeah, spon- sponsor silence. Just there we go. Lost it. Well. <laughs> there we go. Anyway, uh, on to the football. Um, Premier League uh, over the past week since we last recorded. Manchester City are Premier League champions. We didn't expect that we'd be saying at this point because Man United yeah. cocks up against West Brom completely. <laughs> it was uh, a, bit, a bit of a horror yeah. show, but um, it felt a bit underwhelming for City, didn't it? It wasn't quite the, the stage they they really wanted. I don't think they were expecting it. I mean, half the team were on holiday. Pep Guardiola was playing golf. Uh, and Vincent Company was, was around uh, his missus Nelly Grandad's place. So, <laughs> you know, it was, it was all very unexpected and it sort of caught everyone off guard. And it was a shame, in a way, that such a fantastic season culminated in, in you know, Man United losing to the worst team in the Premier League. Yeah, so West Brom really have been the worst team in the Premier League this season. Um, with City's recent struggles before they, they won the trophy, obviously, they lost to United, lost both legs of the loop game. It was three consecutive defeats, but obviously before they went to beat Spurs. Has it taken a little bit of shine off their Premier League Premier League win? Absolutely not. No, I don't think it has either. I mean, you, obviously, we, we think in the here and there sort of situation, but when we reflect on it at the end of the season, we'll be talking about one of the greatest uh, championship winning teams. For, for six, seven months, they've been consistently so far above everyone else. Football they've played has been brilliant. Defence has been much improved this season. Um, they've been head and shoulders above the rest, and that's represented by the huge gap they've got between themselves and second place. It's just because we we want that sort of champagne moment, don't we? And we we, we like that idea of uh, of you know them, them winning it in, in a certain way. Um, in the way they have in that video where they where they won and they all started singing that really that really cringy song, but. Um, <laughs> it's, it's just, that is it's, one it's, of the worst things I've ever seen. It, by the way, possibly is one of the worst things humanity's ever done. But um, that's far. It's just, it's just victory. It, it's, 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 it's just <laughs> humanity has a lot to answer for. Yeah, over I mean, Mark, I'm not yeah, sure I mean, videos. Uh, if, one you have, the if you haven't seen it, it, was to the lyrics of "If you're happy and you know it," um, which is a, obviously a nursery kind of song. But there you yeah. go. Just, um, I didn't even know that that was what it was to. Yeah, yeah just bizarre lyrics. Um, if you're happy that they just, did it, stomp your feet or something. Um, and none, none of it like rhymed anyway. I, I don't, I don't it think I reached that part. It, it, it was done by this one, so it wasn't done specifically by City. It's worth saying that, but I, I can't say how City would have ever reinterpreted well, some I content like that going on. It was a bit of a horror show. No, and the players, you could see they were they were happy, and, and you knew it because they were in a <laughs> they were in a wine bar down in Jaeger bombs and who was it? Vincent Company yeah. sort of doing some sort of song. It was brilliant to watch. Yeah. Company speech was was, was super. Uh, City this weekend do get their say. Champagne maybe not quite a champagne moment, but they can celebrate in their own stadium in front of their own fans when they take on Swansea on Sunday night uh, as the 4.30 kick-off. Um, That's a huge game for Swansea, mate. I mean, forget about City. I mean, let's talk about what really matters in the Premier League in a minute, because I'll tell you what, it's not about who's won the league, because we know that. The top four's done and dusted almost. Swansea are in a real fight for survival. Yeah, absolutely. I say, obviously, Southampton, Stoke, uh, bidding to get out of the relegation zone and Swansea sitting just above it along with like Crystal Palace, Huddersfield and West Ham are probably just about safe. Thank you, Andy Carroll. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd say. It's yeah. the real reason why he's here tonight. He's just he's, he's doing <laughs> this. He's yeah, celebrating yeah, uh, four, four days on. Yeah. yeah. Um, there are some, like I said, you mentioned the bottom of the table, there are some vital Premier League fixtures this weekend um, around there. Um, West Brom against Liverpool. Uh, West Brom can officially be relegated. Um, yeah. Pretty sure if they, uh, if they fail to win. Um, so yeah, a lot to ask against Liverpool. Uh, you'd, you'd think it'd be a Liverpool B team, though, as well. Given, well, given the Champions um, League coming up next week. I won't go. I won't go B completely. I think. I think it'll change it. It'll change it slightly. Sort, um, sort of side you saw against Everton. Yeah, yeah, perhaps. Um, 
I think obviously, I mean, it's actually added something to it, hasn't it? With West Brom beating beating United, um, all of a sudden they might feel like they can like they can do something. But um, I think I think he'll probably Klopp likes to talk about you know rhythm and all that sort of stuff in his players. So I don't think he'll want to give give all of them like the weekend off ahead of Roma. But um, I think it'd be interesting again. I'm, I'm going actually, so yeah. Be uh, interesting to see how um, how West Brom have reacted to last week. There's an opportunity as well, Mark, for Liverpool to close the gap on United. Mm. United don't play in the league this weekend, of course. They're in the semi-final against Spurs on Saturday, and if Liverpool win, one point behind United, in, in, you know, going for that second place, that's quite fascinating to see. I think. I think it's important for their momentum as well. Just they're on, they're on a bit of a crest of a wave from stop on it yes. in a minute, and they're going to want to bounce into that Roma game for the back of a good win. I think so. That's why I don't think they leave out too many. So I say other fixtures going on. I say they, all the Premier League fixtures have some kind of permutation to do with the bottom of the table. Yeah. Uh, the only Saturday 3 pm game that we have, because obviously the fixture list has been decimated uh, by the FA Cup, is Watford against Crystal Palace. Doesn't sound too glamorous, not going to lie, but um, must win for Palace. And I wouldn't say must win. Really, really good, good win last last weekend. Yeah. yeah. I think they're going to say must win. I say Palace obviously sat on. 34 points at the moment, but everyone knows that the target is 40. 37 would probably see oh, a save. I think so, yeah. Um, so. Surely, against, they'll look at a game like that and think, this is it, we can pull away completely. And I'd, I'd think if, if Palace win, then I would think you are saying, that's it, they're safe. I think, as you say, 37 points, you, you, you're there. Absolutely, yeah. and um, yeah, don't forget, this game was a championship player final a few years ago. Yeah. Last yeah, season, was. last season it was the huge battle between Harry the Hornet and Wilfred Sahar. If you remember that, um, <laughs> one of the one, one of the better battles of the season, where Harry the Hornet was not happy with uh, Wilfred Sahar's diving during that game. So those two have got heads to the That'd be good to see. Absolutely. I say uh, on to Sunday in the Premier League, Arsenal against West Ham uh, as one of the early kickoffs, and then also Stoke uh, against Burnley. Um, West Ham briefly, uh, Matty obviously we would have mentioned it. Yeah. It seems like David Moyes' vote of confidence. It's going to seem like he's going to have all the say with the transfer. Well, I mean, from what I understand, that uh, Moyes, you know, he's obviously he's in hard position to keep his job. Don't forget, he's got he's uh, on contract in the end of the season, but no talks will take place until West Ham have effectively guaranteed their Premier League status. So there's a huge amount riding on this for David Moyes. But I think the club are keen to bring in a new sort of recruitment strategy. I think David Sullivan, the co-owner, has taken a big uh, chunk of that upon himself to do it in the past. But well, obviously with a lot of criticism that's been um, thrown at him, he wants to sort of give that to someone else. They've obviously got rid of Tony Henry with the, the uh, controversy over his comments. Um, so David Moyes, if he stays in the club, he will have a big say in transfers because... As I understand, the, the ownership of the club are very much of the the way of thinking in terms of, look, we're not going to sign players if the manager doesn't want them. It's a waste of money. They've been down that road before. So if Moyes does say, stay, I don't think that he'll have full control, but he'll certainly have a majority say. It'll be a team effort moment. Because yeah. you, you can't have a manager who doesn't want, That's right. want players on his books. So he'll have, he'll, he'll have someone to work with the issue. Yeah, uh, West Ham as it stands, are you feeling confident now that you say so. well, what was the yes. point against them actually trust enough for you? I think it is because I think West Ham have got five games to play now. They are seven points above the drop zone. They've got some difficult games to come. They've got Arsenal, of course, on Sunday. Then they play Man City the week after next. Uh, and then they've got Man United to fit in there and Leicester away. So there are tough games, finishing with Everton at home. So... I'd expect West Ham to be safe because I think they'll get a couple of draws there. And that Andy Carroll goal was, was absolutely crucial. It took a lot of heat off Joe Hart, even though he's actually copped a lot of flag. And it was in the wrong time, the wrong place for him with Gareth Southgate watching. Yeah. Uh, also put Stoke really kind of in a lot of trouble. Stoke take on Burnley. They needed that one, mate. They needed it. Yeah, so, and it looked like they were going to hold on right until the end yeah, there. But yeah. yeah, Stoke against Burnley takes place on Sunday. Burnley on a roll. They're, they're, yeah. they're on a, a seriously good one. I mean, I know we're recording just before they play Chelsea. We're recording on, on the Thursday afternoon, so we don't actually know what's going to happen in that game. But uh, Burnley going into that game, five wins on the bounce. Yeah, it's just. Uh, and if they've beaten Chelsea, they're above Arsenal right now, as, as, as we're seeing. So um, yeah, they, they they've, they've been fantastic. Um, 
I think yeah, is it, yeah, you five on the bounce. I think four of those have been by the same score as well. They grind out these one nil, one nil and two one victories, don't they? They, they? they like winning by, by the odd goal. They're really impressive, and, and uh, you look at Sean Dyche and, and, and wonder where he's going to go in the future. Where he's going to take this team in the future? Obviously, it's going to be Europe next season, hopefully, probably. Um, so, is that going to be kind of his? He'll see it as the end of his kind of like you know he, he can perhaps move on and, and, and go somewhere else. Um, it's important with clubs like Burnley though not to get too above themselves. I think, because I've seen this with West Ham in the past. We've had seasons where you know obviously the last season of the bowling where we could have finished in the top four. Magnificent. Suddenly we're dreaming of the Champions League. Then you get that dose of reality the following season yeah. where you're battling relegation. So I think it's fantastic for Burnley and I hope that they really kick on from here. But it's important that they don't forget themselves and you know they they kind of they still need to stay where they are for now. It's, it's a slow yeah. build up, isn't it? It's fascinating to see what they do in the summer, isn't it? Because yeah. uh, they'll obviously be looking at a different calibre of player, and it depends on how they, how how well they they sort of, uh, you know, how well they they look they look at the market that they're now going to be in in, in terms of playing yeah. in Europe and, and what type, type of players they can pick up. Really. Well, that's it. And if you are looking towards old players who've played in Europe, does it does it entirely work? I mean, we've seen it in the past where it doesn't. Really. You try to integrate players who've come in from the continent, and they don't fit into that kind of team or environment. So I think Sean Dyche should just stick to what he's doing. I don't, really think, I don't think there'll be any major change in the way they go about it. Sean Dodge puts a very big emphasis on character on with the players he brings in. Um, they've overachieved this season. Seventh. You look at the goals they've scored, they average a goal a game. Yeah. They've only conceded 29, which is the third best record in the league. Um, which tells you everything, but it's, it's, it's all about the system. You know, we saw Michael Keane leading some 25 million, <laughs> talented as an England international, yeah. to be going to the World Cup. And he's struggled there away from the system that really showed him in such a good light. You look at perhaps if Jazz Tarkovsky was to get a big move, I'm not saying he will be, but he gets a big move this summer elsewhere, is he going to have similar struggles? Um, very much a team that are great and prominent parts. They've overachieved next season. I will eat my hat if they are seventh again. You know, they're going to they're gonna dip back down, they're going to be around mid-table. Um, but that's not to denigrate anything that they've done this season. They've been absolutely brilliant. Oh, I agree with that, and I think they've still got teams in there, sort of, uh, been there, so it's like Everton and Leicester. We know that they're going to spend big money. So that's the kind of teams. If, if, if Burnley can stay at that level, it's a great achievement for them. And in a way, they need to just have a good cut run and enjoy being in Europe. What an experience for those fans. Yeah. It's all about evolving for them, isn't it? Taking the Premier League money, putting it back into the infrastructure. Building the stadium, building the training grounds, and yeah. that all comes from Sean Dyche, the most important man of the club. Yeah, and it's very much his vision. It will be interesting to see how they handle the whole Thursday Sunday thing, because you've obviously seen in the past teams, the little bit of league, if you like, put out put out less sides. I hope they don't do that because I think Arsenal well, struggled, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. I, I think it, it will mean a lot to Burnley, the place in terms of getting European football coming in, and, and uh, you do hope that they take it. Seriously. I think they will. Um, Dice is, is sort of is a manager who strikes you as he'd have no qualms with sending out a team in Belgium on a Thursday to pick them again on the Sunday at home for someone. You know, he, he, he seems like he'd do that, and you worry about them perhaps. With certain, I mean, they, they fell off the cliff at the start of the year, didn't they? But they've, they've, they've gathered it back again, um, and they, they seem to have had their season in kind of thirds, if you like. You know, very good, very bad, very good again. Yeah, well, the, um, the issue was that when they fell off the cliff, uh, as you say. Nobody was there to overtake. No, they just true. remained seventh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, which yeah. which is a pretty sad indictment of the Premier League. Really you've got six teams, then you've got Burnley and Leicester, and then you've got the next. Um, I say, uh, moving on from the Premier League, uh, it is FA Cup this weekend. The FA Cup semi-finals Saturday: Manchester United against Tottenham. Sunday: Chelsea against Southampton. Home advantage for Tottenham. Neither in the away dressing room. <laughs> Home advantage for Tottenham. Okay. Does that matter? We, I mean, I mean, the away dressing room at Wembley is slightly smaller is than the home dressing room. Is it? Yeah. Okay. I, I think uh, slightly. Yeah. We, we've gone from it's interesting. Uh, we've gone from everybody wanted to play Spurs at Wembley because it was a hoodoo for us. Yeah. Now it's an advantage for Spurs. So I think. Look, it's, it's a game where both teams have to win. They really do. Jose Mourinho cannot afford to go a season with that. Winning a trophy at Manchester United. This could be his buffer to sort of, you know, appeasing a lot of disgruntled fans from what has been a very poor challenge to Manchester United. If, if, he, if he finishes second and wins the FA Cup, that's not a bad season. Is that success? I, I think so because, you know, FA Cup should be 
respected and it is a great competition to win. And I think you kind of have to give credit to Man City. Also, it goes to show that Man United, we know in terms of recruitment, Jose has not been happy. And we know that he feels that he's one or two away from actually having a squad capable of challenging City. So they have to win because success breeds success. I, I, I disagree myself that FA Cup and second is success. I think but, FA but Cup and second. I, I think FA Cup and second is acceptable, but I don't think you can say success and acceptable are the, are the same thing. But is it not success it, it, when Manchester okay. City have, have run away with it by so much? You know, you've got yeah. United will be fi- if they finish second, they'll be finishing above a Liverpool side that have reached at least the Champions League semi final, yeah. and which many are saying have got the best attack in Europe. You're finishing above the Champions Chelsea last season. Finishing above a Spurs side that continue to play brilliant football and punch well above their weight, and then you've got Arsenal, but an Arsenal. Is it not because he's made a bit of rough for his own back though? Because you look at these other teams and you can see things like that. And as you say, if Spurs win the FA Cup, that's a sign of their progression and all that sort of stuff. You never quite know how many are going to progress they, because Mourinho's not going to be there very long. But Spurs would then still be finishing fourth, yeah, possibly third, but having fallen a, from second last season, whereas United are rising from sixth to second, yeah, and winning the FA Cup. So then what? So they've got another year. I mean, so I, then I, next I, year he has to challenge for the title. Yeah, there's no two ways about that. Yeah. Whatever happens on yeah, yeah. on the weekend, he has to be challenging for the mm. title next season. Yeah, but then I mean, on the flip side, you got Tottenham who need to win a trophy because they haven't won one in ten years, and you got players like Deli Ali, Harry Kane, Christian Eriksen, etc., etc., who you can't keep them forever if you're not going to win trophies. If, Look at Carl Walker; he's gone to Man City. Yeah. He's won the league. He's won a if, Carabao Cup. If Spurs win the FA Cup and finish probably fourth as as they're going to this season, is that enough to convince the likes of Kane and Ericsson to stick around? I think that Kane, yes. Yeah. I think I think in terms of Kane and and Ali, sort of the homegrown English players, they're going to be more likely to stay if they can see that sort of progression. Ericsson coming from a Brooklyn from Ajax and given the kind mm. of clubs that have covered him in the past yeah. and you know the likes of Barcelona and whatnot, if they're only finishing fourth and reaching another semi final and he's got a summer where his agent will be telling him, these clubs are interested in you. He'll be thinking long and hard, do I need to now make a step up? The only thing I would say is that having a new stadium could be quite a lure for those players because all the sort of rhetoric around uh, Tottenham this season is about playing in a new Wild Lane stadium. Yeah. And I think a lot of them would be desperate to kind of see that through. So that's the only kind of pulling power that could sort of avoid a big sort of Move, yeah. I, I agree with that. You saw it with Anton Griezmann at yeah. Madrid last summer. I think that's actually a huge that, That's thing. what they've got, really. They mm. need to win trophies. If, and they, again, as you said with Mourinho, next season Spurs have to challenge for the title. Otherwise, yeah. those players, including Kane and Ali, will be starting to look elsewhere because they'll start to be hitting you know, mid-parts of their career. They'll start to be looking at where can I go and win trophies. Let's think weighing all this up, though. It, to me, looks like a big game for United, which makes me think that... Mourinho will do his thing and he'll get the results somehow. And I, I, I can just, I can just see anyway, them, anyway, I can see them winning the game. To be honest, Jesse Lingard, seventy seventh minute winner. Something like that. Yeah, um, where it's it's not a great game and and uh, Spurs are quite stifled. And yeah, I, I just I can see United winning this one. To be honest. Yeah. So the the other semi final as well, Chelsea against Southampton. Chelsea very much in a similar similar position to United. United fans, they do just come across as a happy club. No, at the moment, it's no, not no, no. Yeah, at all. Neither but, one but, seems like a great place to work, yeah. does it? They, so they just seem yeah. like they're very. Everything's a bit of a struggle at the minute, and it's just yeah. a bit like a bit. I don't know. It just doesn't yeah. seem doesn't seem the happiest of camps. And try yeah. being a West Ham fan. <laughs> <That's what I'd laughs> yeah, it just it just seems like a bit of a bit of slump. But I say, look, look, looking at Chelsea, this is a team who definitely need to win this game because if they don't, it's going to be uproar. Conte's not going to stay. We are pretty sure, regardless of the result of what happens, yeah. but. Trust for a bit of morale. Chelsea desperately, desperately need to make the FA Cup final. I, I, I thought last week against Southampton, two 0 down. I thought the players had given up on it. Yeah. You know, let's prepare for the new manager to come in. Actually, they showed a bit of character, and I think that maybe they probably know that Conte is leaving. So this is a good opportunity for them to go. Look, we can win a medal. Yeah? I do we wonder how. Trophy. I do wonder how much of that last is that week was, was Southampton being a bit rubbish. They, they, Southampton, they, Southampton yeah. caved when they that caved first goal went in. They um, were so uncertain about And given the fact they're playing them again, uh, doesn't bode well from does it? I mean, they've they've had a shocking season, and, and they it's almost like they probably don't really need this today. Southampton, do they need an FA Cup semi final? They probably don't. They've, they, got, they've gone from being one of the 
best run Premier League clubs. But then yeah. there's only so long that you can keep on there is. replenishing your squad. And your best players. Obviously, they've had yeah. they had their talent picked off and picked off and picked off. I do wonder if the stance they took on Van Dijk in the summer harmed them a little bit in the end because it did. They should have sold him there. And they then. almost kind of like played the martyr a little bit, and they were like, "Oh, you know, you can't do it this time." Well, sort of, we're going to keep him. Well, it's just give it to him. He's obviously going to go. Definitely, and and they sold him for the same price that yeah. they were haggling over in the summer. Yeah. I think it all it all goes back to we talked we spoke about clubs with delusions of grandeur mm. earlier. Uh, Claude Puel last season, yeah, largely yeah. disregarded because the football was supposedly boring. Cup final, yeah, exactly. Cup final finished very comfortably in mid table, but it wasn't enough. Got rid of him, bought in Mauricio Pellegrino, terrible club, and it just hasn't worked. Yeah. And now they are very much. In I, mean, I do, I do sympathise with, with football fans when they don't like the football that the manager is playing. Do you know what I mean? Which you see in Everton a bit now, and and fans deserve to be entertained. Of course they do. Uh, and at Southampton and Puel weren't a good team to watch, but as you say, the ground out results. And from a business point of view, you've got to look at the people in the hierarchy and go, well, why would you have a different man like that? Would um, if Southampton were to somehow get past Chelsea and also United alternative and win the FA Cup? I know it's such an unlikely scenario, but could happen. Short, short if you're a Southampton fan, you're still not happy. I know, I know you want to win a trophy, but win the FA Cup and go down. Do the old, short, do the old Wigan thing. It's short, short, yeah, yeah, yeah. Surely you are not happy with that scenario. You you aren't happy with it at all. You're not happy with getting relegated. It's a good um, question. That's though. fair. But at the same time, the memories that live on from that FA Cup final day awesome. are far superior than the yeah. memories of finishing seventeenth and losing. The Wouldn't final. it just wind you up though? When you look at the talent that this Southampton squad. Does have and where they were though. Yeah. But to go down and win it, does it just make you think the talent that this Southampton squad has? How are we getting relegated? Is what? What? What is the talent that yeah. Southampton squad has? They've got a lot but of their they, best players have all gone. Yeah, they've got and they've a lot signed of, a lot of replacements um, that are probably for players that were eight or nine so out of ten. Mediocre, six or they've seven. They've got a lot of streaky so, so, players, haven't they? Yeah. They'll, they'll, they'll have, they'll have, they've got players who have, will have a good few weeks. And we'll I'm, all right. I'm, we're all yeah. we're all guilty of saying, "Oh, X is the is a great signing for a club," and he turns out to tell. When they signed Pierre Hoiberg from Bayern Munich, I thought it was a brilliant signing. But he was the next one that was going to be producing moments of brilliance and then being sold to Liverpool. Yeah, hasn't yeah. worked. Yeah, but I mean, surely the likes of so you mentioned like Hoiberg and support Lamina who's come in. Surely he's not a relegation player. No, no, sure, he's sure, not, surely, not. It was James Ward-Prowse who's you know immensely talented. Nah, Maybe I've never, never, I've but, never, but, never but been huge. Player. Never been huge on James Ward-Prowse. Do some Tadic. He looks good Shane when he takes Long. a free kick. Tadic, Tadic is another flaky player. Shane yeah. Long looks brilliant. In one or two TV games yeah. a season, yeah. are, these, are, are, are these players that should be getting relegated? They spent they spent nineteen million on that Carrillo in January. He's done nothing. Gabbiadini, nothing. Right, they, and the, so the many signs. The warning signs of Carrillo were there because yeah. he wasn't starting for Monaco. His goals per minutes were great, playing in a very offensive team, but he was always coming off the bench. Yeah. He was never starting games. So, so uh, do we think they're going to go down? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm also I think so, yes. Yeah, yeah, so pretty, pretty damning of Southampton then. Um, it's not just the FA Cup and Premier League that's taking play this weekend anyway. Uh, we have the PFA Player of the Year Awards uh, coming up on Sunday night. Um, hot debate between everyone other than Liverpool fans all season because they're so biased about what, what their opinion is. Um, Mo Salah versus Kevin De Bruyne. Who's going to win it? And bear in mind as well, the votes were placed... Probably six to seven weeks ago. By which, the is daft, which is daft, Which is daft. Why can't we do it at the end of the season? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's like well, someone said you don't you, you don't um, declare the winner of a hundred meter race after ninety meters. Do you know what I mean? It's it's, it's that, and it's, um, <laughs> it's both worthy winners. Of course, they are. They're fantastic. <laughs> Ke- it can go, Kevin it can De Bruyne. Go superb. It's, um, it's not going to be as scandalous as the EFL awards, no. is it? Let's be fair. It's not. I mean, can they share it? Like, are there something like that? Can we just, yeah. can we just give it? Can we give them both an award? Because they're both really good. But then it's great because um, almost it's become a sort of Ronaldo Messi sort of situation where one of them has got to win it. And I mean, yeah. both of them are deserving winners. And there'll be little complaining if one wins and the other one I've doesn't. got a feeling that De Bruyne will win it because, oh, I think so too. as you say, the, yeah, the the, those, votes, those votes happened all a while about, ago. All about the time of the voting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think they'll win it, which yeah. will lead to a bit of social media feud, which we'll probably write an article about for days. So. Um, <laughs> I'd say uh, the, 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 yeah. the, the, the six, seven weeks also since the votes have been placed have been all about Mo Salah. Yeah. Kevin De Bruyne has, I, I, I'll be honest, I don't think I can pick out one moment where I think 
that's a player of the year moment. I'll let you in Chelsea in, away. In, in that time. No, um, Chelsea Chelsea in, in that time. I've got, in, in I've, got, I've, got one, I've got one for you. The, the, the flick to Sterling yes. Yes, yes, yes. at Wembley. Yes. Oh, okay. When yes. the ball's oh, dropping right. out the sky you from probably didn't a ridiculous see it you were getting some corporate thing at the game at the time. The ball comes over and he turns and flicks it and he flicks it through to Sterling and sends Sterling through a goal. That was absolutely fantastic. I actually didn't clock it in the stadium. You were in the stadium. Why didn't you see it? What were you doing then? So, I was, uh, you know, just speaking to, you know, friends. Looking over a mountain of prawn sandwiches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very much part of prawn sandwich brigade. Now, <laughs> aren't you, Aaron? <laughs> now that you've got this kid. Yeah. Uh, yeah every, uh, every, every, everybody likes to be but, treated. But going back to what we're saying, yes, that was a great moment. Didn't end the, didn't end the goal, did it? And everything Mo Salah does at the moment ends in a goal. I'll, let, um, I'll, I'll be honest, though, I couldn't care less no, about I this know, sort yeah, of thing. I really, I really am not that bothered no. about who gets this individual award or who gets that one. At the end of the day, they'd both swap it for the Champions League, they'd both swap it for the Premier would, League. Yeah, yeah, that's all that matters. And um, I, no, I will say, if you are interested, you can follow it live on the Mirror Football Facebook page. Yeah, so we're, we're, not, we're, we're not just a podcast. Uh, so if you only listen to a podcast, <laughs> yeah. no, we do have a website with, with great. Uh, I am. I am. We do have a great website, and you will be able to watch uh, all of the action on Mirror Football. Um, which we got so a quick show of hands, Salah or Brian Alex. Show, show of hands doesn't work on a podcast. Hence why I'm telling you. As we said, given when the voting was, Kevin De Bruyne. Kevin De Bruyne, Matty? Salah. Salah? It will be De Bruyne, it should be Salah. I think it'll be De Bruyne. Best, best player I, I for the best I actually agree with that. I think it probably just about should be Salah. Yeah, I, I uh, think we're all in agreement there, aren't we? Which is fair enough. But how about the young player of the year? I mean, that's something, isn't it? How is, how is Harry Kane? He must be about yeah. 35 by now in the Young Player of the Year award thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. so I mean, just quickly, the, the, young, <laughs> the young Player of the Year nominations uh, Harry Kane, uh, Edison, the City goalkeeper, Marcus Rashford. Marcus Rashford for Young Player of the Year. He's, he's not played 90 minutes since Boxing Day. It's like, yeah. I, I mean. Is that because the field's too thin that he, he's getting in there? It's, or, yeah. Or is, yeah. He, is he so... I mean, it's a, it's a stupid award the way it's done anyway. Yeah. As you see with Harry Kane being in it, with Edison in it. They should change it to either a Rookie of the Year for a kid, somebody yeah. that's playing their first season, whether coming from abroad or whether of a certain age, or an under-21 award. Yeah. Could, could be a real left-field winner though, couldn't it? It could be Ryan Sessegnon from Fulham in the Championship. First yeah. time I've seen a Championship player nominated for this prestigious yeah. award. Yeah, obviously Ryan Session scooped up every award humanly five, possible. Five gods. The, the, even the, even the, player of the year. But um, I, I didn't actually realise you could be uh, nominated from the championship. So yeah, yeah. It, 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 was a, it was a fantastic, fantastic effort from him. From the list that we've got there, I'm going Raheem Sterling. Yeah, I was going to say the, the other two names that we haven't mentioned. Yeah. Raheem Sterling, yeah. Leroy Sane. Leroy Sane has had a great season. I, I, think, I think Sterling, Sterling, is. Sterling should say, yeah. It feels like he's finally hit his potential. Ruben Neves could play as we built for this as well. I've been missed yeah. out on the AFL player. Where is he? <laughs> Which uh, was pretty farcical. Yeah. Um, Sterling for me though, Aaron. So Sterling, plenty of Sterling for that. Um, worth quite a, just a quick shout out. Well. Just I know we, we don't really ever mention women's uh, football in this podcast, unfortunately, mainly due to time. Um, but the, in the Women's Player of the Year, there are five Chelsea players out of yeah. the six nominations. Yeah. So it's just how dominant they've been. Uh, had in, a great uh, season, haven't they? Um, yeah. Champions League as well. Anyway, I say just Jill Scott from Manchester City uh, gets in there. Frank alongside, Kirby, I've seen play before. She's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. alongside uh, Ramona Backman, uh, Millie Bright, Frank Kirby, Maren Melder, and Jiso Young uh, are going for the, the, the women's award. Um, so best luck for them. Probably going to be a Chelsea winner. You think so? Almost definitely yeah. going to be a Chelsea winner um, with that. Um, going to look into slightly next week now. Um, Champions League is back. It comes around quickly this time of year, doesn't it, the Champions League? It's just, yeah. It yeah. hits you quite, quite quickly. No, um, non-stop. Uh, Liverpool against Roma. It's the... Uh, Mark, it's yeah. surely it was the draw you wanted. Uh, given, given who it could have been, I suppose, yeah. I mean, they're, they're obviously, they're all... They're, they're all good sides at this stage of the tournament, Aaron, as, as, as we know. Uh, everyone everyone wants to take each game as it comes, all those cliches. But, um, uh, yeah, you'd think, you'd think Liverpool would be happy with that draw. Um, the only sort of downside perhaps being at Anfield first. But um, I think they should be going into that game fairly confident. Uh, they will need to take a lead to Rome because, as we saw, what happened with Barcelona. Um, so they'll be wanting to, to obviously keep a clean sheet, which is what Barcelona didn't do, which... Um, Everyone kind of thought that that, that Edin Dzeko goal was a bit was a bit meaningless at the new camp, but it turned out to be the one that the one that won the tie. 
so Liverpool will want to keep the clean sheet and um, yeah, and then uh, you know everyone will be everyone will get the cliches back into overdrive again, and it'll all be special nights and all this sort of stuff. But um, but they're on the crest of a wave at the minute. They they they're a they're a fantastic team. You know, I, I think I do think they've been slightly slightly underrated by people this season because of Man City's superb form in the league. Um, but yeah, they'll be confident. Um, Jurgen Klopp seems to have played blinder in this tournament this season. He's been everything he's done. I mean, you look at the way they came back into that second leg at City and won that one. Um, as, yeah, they're going to need to take, take a lead, um, but I think they will. I'm quite confident in them to go. I wonder if they're worried about the bus reception already, the Roma players. Yeah. I think back to when Manchester United played Roma um, in the quarterfinals of the Champions League some years ago now, where they beat them 7-1. <laughs> Don't give me that. They, they <laughs> just couldn't handle the atmosphere. I think this is obviously a different Roma side, but you know, it's so crucial that Liverpool get out of the blocks early and absolutely annihilate them as soon as possible. But I am intrigued and I'm interested to see how um, Alisson, the Lionel Messi of goalkeepers, <laughs> because we've read a lot about him, haven't we? Yeah. And we've read that Liverpool are interested this summer. And I actually think that Lloris Karras has, has been very impressive of late. He has um, been excellent. He, um, it seems like there's some confidence in him. Yeah, he's, 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 he's grown into as well a lot. And uh, he's, he, <laughs> he's doing that thing where uh, where players, when you know they're in good focus, they're getting interviews every other day, I mean. He's, yeah. he's, he's in the press a lot at the minute. And uh, he talks about when he first came to Liverpool, he... He broke his finger in his first pre-season and he basically said that set him back a fair bit. And when he came back, he wasn't quite feeling it. And, and uh, yeah, now he, he just he looks he looks a commanding keeper to me. He looks confident, which Liverpool haven't had in a goal uh, for a while. There's a lot of talking goes on in that Liverpool back line now, isn't yeah, it? Him and Van Dijk, suddenly there is a lot of talk yeah. that goes on. Well, I think um, there's no, it, it's, it's no coincidence that he became the number one after Van Dijk came in. So uh, Van Dijk gets signed in early January and it's at that moment where Klopp Decides and, and says in the media, he carries my number one now. There's no no mingling anymore, but, um, yeah. and it's almost like he's told the two of them to to create this kind of bomb team. And then, and Virgil Van Dijk, I've said it on here a couple of times. Virgil, the way Virgil Van Dijk has has, has played in that defence has transformed the players around him. Lovren, Andy Robertson, Trent Alexander-Arnold, who's been incredible the last few weeks, hasn't he? So, yeah, Virgil, um, Virgil Van Dijk sort of played it. He can be whatever he wants to be. Yeah, you know, you saw it in Celtic, you saw it in Southampton. The game comes easy to him at times, and and that's his biggest problem. I just like it his coolness. I like his coolness and his calmness because you saw it at City uh, when he makes a mistake in the second minute and, and Gabriel Jesus goes and scores. Uh, two or three minutes later, Dejan Lovren dives in on Sterling near the near the corner flag, and it, it was their first quarter wobbly wobbly moments for a while. But Van Dijk just turns around and says to Lovren, "Right, come on, calm it down." And literally from ten minutes onwards, they defended very well. Um, he, yeah, he's transformed that back line. He's going to be vital, probably more so in the second leg. Uh, Lovren has had an injury issue, so hopefully he can get back to it as well. But you'd think the first leg is going to be about Liverpool's attacking side of, it, of the game again. I think Liverpool are anywhere near their best though with this. But I, I don't think you can discount this Roma side no, because no. largely they've been written off all the way through. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're putting a group with Chelsea and Athletic Madrid. Mm. Both two would be favourites to go through. And yet Roma managed to get through. Um, you know, they really did a number on Chelsea in Rome. Yes. Um, they drew both games of Athletic. No, they drew a home game of Athletic when they should have lost. That was the first match. 3-3 at Chelsea as well, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, coming back there. And they were the better side that night. Yeah. yeah. So they got through. They played Shakhtar Donetsk and that was a very even tie. Got through on away goals. Yeah. Played Barcelona. All right, they were beaten 4-1 away from home, but they played quite well that night. Two on goals, weren't they? Yeah, and they yeah. had a couple of penalty decisions yeah. turned down that perhaps they could have been given, you know. Um, and then the home leg, they were dominant. They yeah. completely dominated the game. Barcelona barely had a shot. Alisson barely had a save to make. I mean, I think it's I think it's important to stress that we're talking about this is the tie that Liverpool won. It's probably the tie that Rome won as well, really. You know, in, in terms yeah, of I mean, we get missing them in a way. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's almost like quite a quite an old school sort of European Cup feel to the last four, isn't it? All the teams yeah. that are in it, and um, yeah, they they're, they're, they're going to be tough for Liverpool. But um, as you said. If Liverpool play at the best, they should get. I don't, I don't like playing on the, the you know the fabled Anfield. That's going to be big, and whatnot, be big. But it's all, it's all. You have seen Roma crumble in years gone by. Yeah. On such stages, exactly. If they if they stand up, then they've got half a chance. Yeah. If they crumble at Anfield, mm, yeah. Then that Liverpool attack away from home on the counter as City saw the whole um, tears you to pieces. the whole atmosphere thing, which obviously reached fever pitch before the City game. I was sort of saying to people, you know what? Yes, it is cliche. Yes, it is. Yes, it is that. But it's actually true. It's, it's actually a real thing, and 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 it it, it it's going to be big again. I will say, uh, Matty alluded to Alisson earlier. I've seen him a couple of occasions in the last six months. He's some goal. Yeah, yeah. He 
makes saves that you expect him to make. He makes saves you don't expect him to make. He commands his area. He's excellent with his feet. There's a reason he's Brazil's number one. Oh, I was he, say, he's he keeping is, Edison. He's, 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 he's absolutely outstanding. And he's so cool. He's so mm. composed. Yeah. Um, he actually, when he was at International in Brazil, he displaced his brother <laughs> as number one keeper. <laughs> and then got the move to Rome. And Chesney was number one. Chesney left the Juventus. Yeah, and then sure. suddenly he made the yeah, move to be yeah. Rome as number one. Um, and he's just gone from Shrimp. It does Shrimp almost feel like a night where he's gonna he's gonna make his you know he's gonna make his case, isn't he? He's and, going and to be called into a lot of action yeah. outfield on that first level. And he'll yeah. either stand up or or if you make a little bit of a quick show of hands, a verbal show of hands, don't verbal hands. Uh, verbal who, who, who's going through while we, we wrap this up? Liverpool or Roma? Alex? I think Liverpool's attack's too strong. Liverpool Matic? Liverpool. Smart? Yeah. Yeah, Liverpool. Liverpool, we Liverpool. didn't really expect Mar to say anything else, did we? I say we're, it's good cool we're, we're uh, agreeing on all our votes and everything. Yeah, um, no, it's good. And look, I think we, we want to get behind Liverpool. Best of luck to them. Who are they going to play? <laughs> yeah. Real Madrid. There yeah. we go. Yeah. Yeah? Um, no, Bayern. Bayern. I, I, I called Bayern at quarterfinal stage. Your point has had the... three Champions League campaigns and he's reached the final every time. Ooh, that's I, true. I, but two yeah. words, Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> uh, I Bayern have gone under the radar. This season, there's a reason. They, they, there's a reason been, for that. They have been so, they're mean, not very good at times. Yeah, they are. Get you can oh, get at them, if, and they. If you're asking me who I want Liverpool to play, I want to play Bayern Munich. Yeah, I, think, I think in a, yeah. in a final you want to play yeah. Bayern Munich. Yeah, rather than this Real side know how to win. They yeah. know how to just get through games. Bayern yeah. have been winning games this season. They've romped to the German title. They've been winning games by playing well for 20 minute periods, mm. scoring two or three goals, and then the other 70 minutes kind of just yeah, we're here. So that last week against Bayern because. 20 minutes second half period, three, three goals, done. Yeah. So, yeah, well, so we'll be talking a lot more on next week's podcast uh, about the, the first leg and how that's gone. Um, it's hopefully... Um, Venue is uh, weather permitting, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, if, if it's sunny, I'm, to be honest, I'm quite enjoying this. this yeah. we're, we're literally sat out in the sun. We've got a, a no trains and airplanes are a bit much, but yeah. Apart, yeah. apart from that, yeah. there can be no complaints. Occasional sirens, but, you know, we can, we can make do with this. We can make do with this. Um... Talking of the summer, World Cup this summer. Everybody excited? Everyone like, are they getting that little buzz yet? <laughs> no, mate, no, no. Just no, no. Not excited no, for a World no, Cup at all. No. I've just done the runs for it, mate. I'm yeah, the least yeah, bit excited for it. No, I, I'm, Next I'm, 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 no I'm, I'm so, so excited. Uh, a little earlier today, I spoke to Paul Parker and Terry Butcher, uh, two members of the England Italian 90 team, um, who obviously went out in the semi-finals, about their experiences there. And also a little bit more about football, and uh, here's what those guys had to say. First of all, really, really appreciate you, you coming on. Um, reason we're speaking to you is because of a, a fantastic documentary, um, I say, which I, I've, I've had the pleasure of being able to, to view myself. It's going to come out on the History Channel in the coming weeks. Um, Return to Turin, Italian 90, telling all the inside story of the World Cup 90. Um, guys, t- just tell us a little bit more uh, about the documentary. Well, it was um, uh, Paul Parker, myself, and Gary Lineker went back out there just to sort of reminisce and look back on the tournament, but also specifically the semi-final in Turin and um, about memories, different memories, collectively, individually. But it was just really nice going back to, a, um, obviously, a lovely Italian city. And it was quite nice, wasn't it, Paul? Nice weather. And we had some good conversations. And the best conversation we had was when we had a bottle of wine open and a nice bit of pasta, wasn't it? Yeah, not enough red wine, no. No, not, not enough red wine, no. It's a fantastic watch. I say some of the stories that you come out with are absolutely um, tremendous um, in there. I mean, obviously obviously the Brian Robson injury as well, that came out. I mean, how did that stay under wraps for, for so long? Because it was 1990. It wasn't 2010 or 2018. Because if it had been, then we would have been in serious, serious trouble. We'd probably been sent back home and... I think the, you know, the front pages would, would be saying hang them and get rid of them and all that sort of thing. So, yeah, it was. Well, it, yeah, it was just one of those things. That we we formed an escape committee that um, tunnelled out, and uh, we made sure that we got back all right. But I thought we got away with it because I got to bed and everything was fine. And then we woke up the next day to a team meeting, and Bobby Robson went absolutely bananas. I thought I actually thought for one minute he was going to send us back home. So it was kept under wraps very very well. And, like I say, there was no cameras and nothing like that. And we just enjoyed ourselves. But if anything, it sort of bonded the lads together a little bit more. And, you know, we, we sort of got away with it, but we didn't really get away with it because Bobby Robson knew and 
what we did, we sort of upset Bobby, which is something that we didn't want to do. So we had to fight very hard to make sure we got back in his good books, which I think we did pretty well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so when I was watching it, you mentioned obviously team spirit and everything. What what I really got is that you seem to have a really close camaraderie together as a group. And uh, is that such an important thing going into a World Cup where you obviously have to spend a lot of time with the same people, you know, over the kind of the period of about a month? Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's the first thing you got to have. If you haven't got that, you could have the the best squad, you know, the best individual individual players in the squad, but you won't survive if you haven't got that camaraderie. If you're not getting on with each other, if you're not all willing to take the good, the bad, the different with each other and take that on board, just and go out looking to win a game of football, you're not going to survive. And we got that. We gained that. that, that you know, that we gained that with momentum. And um, momentum come from the games, the performances, the results. And all during that, as that was ticking along, we was all getting closer and closer because obviously there was a lot of negativity about us initially. And I think that, that kind of grew on us very quickly. And as it went on, we got stronger and stronger and we all become very good friends. Well, I think if you're going to be in a tournament to get to the latter stages, you're going to be together four, five, six weeks. And to and to stay together and not have anybody fall out or get bored with each other, you've got to fill your time in well. And that's what Gareth has got to do now with this World Cup. And he, he knows because he's been there. He's been there as a player. He knows exactly what it what it takes. He's been there as a coach as well in, in a tournament. So, he, you know, he knows what, what you know, players get up to or what they, what they could possibly get up to and you know, the boredom thing does set in. You know, if you're on your own, if you go back to a room on your own, you know, you end up talking to the mirror and things like this. So, uh, I don't mean the Daily Mirror, I mean the actual mirror in the bathroom and something like that. So, well, you could talk to the Daily Mirror, I suppose, but there we are. And so he, he's got to manage the time of the players too. But, you know, Bobby did that, but the players did that themselves. You know, there were card schools and things like that, and we had our benches out, and we had our golf, and we had our race nights, things like that. You've got to do that because that's as important as good training, managing your time. What determines then this summer a successful tournament for England, do you, do you imagine? Because obviously your 1990 World Cup is the last time England made a World Cup semi-final. There's been a lot of disappointment in the years, um, especially at the Euros last, let's say, two years ago. What what now would become a success for England? I would, I would say if we get to the quarterfinals, I think everyone... Will accept us to get the semi final. The draw is going to be important if we get to a semi final. But I think if we get there, then I think people would maybe this, in this current moment accept that. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's a young squad, so a youngish squad. But there were some good senior players in there, very similar to what to what we had. But I think we had a bit more experience and a lot more uh, togetherness because you know of, of the lads. But I think getting out of the group is is important. Didn't do that 2014. Getting past the round of 16, didn't do that in the Euros two years ago, as you say. So, you know, we've got to be seen to be getting further in tournaments and winning tournament knockout games, which we haven't, mm. which we haven't done on a regular basis or any any means of a of a regular basis. So, the thing is, with the, the first two games, the winnable should win those. Then it's the Belgium match, which I think the players will look forward to very much. And then it's a case of what you know who, who you get next in the round of 16. But you don't look too far ahead. If you're England now going to a World Cup, you don't look too far ahead at all. But I think this squad is pretty sensible. Gareth Southgate is extremely sensible uh, and pragmatic, and they'll 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 be well prepared for this one. I think better prepared than than before. So yeah, we're, we're cautiously optimistic, but you know we'll have to wait and see. Which which we were when we were going to play Iceland in the Euros two years ago. Uh, Paul Parker and Terry Butcher here speaking on the Mirror Football podcast. Um kind of looking ahead to, to their great documentary, uh, Return to Turin, Italian 90, which will be shown on the History Channel um, at the back end of May. So do keep your eyes out for that. Um, Paul, Terry, I say it would be rude not to talk about modern-day football with you because obviously you have great experiences and we uh, we know you're both quite opinionated as well. Um, first of um, first of all, Man- Manchester United. Um, Paul, especially, I know you're, you're very vocal on Manchester United quite regularly. Um, and the season they've had. Um, what exactly, can you pinpoint exactly what has gone wrong for United? Because this was supposed to be a season where it was a two-horse race, the two Manchester clubs going toe-to-toe, and it's really been anything but, hasn't it? Oh, yeah, they've, they've been a million miles apart, not just with points. I was just thinking in the ideas, the way they want to play, and it's, it's just just gone out and the, the modern game, the way um, the changing of the game, has um, worked in favour of Manchester City. Manchester United haven't really moved forward in their game. It's been very, very regimented in what 
they've been trying to do and it can in certain ways at a certain time it guarantees the results but not in today's football and it hasn't worked for Manchester United they need the next season to change up their game for them to to get anywhere near to Manchester City to, to try and get near City playing getting near to them to, um, playing football they're not going to do that but it does need a change in style for Manchester United for them to succeed they have to go out and look to score more goals and look to grab hold of games I don't mean go out and you know look and play gung-ho I just mean go out and take control of games I watched the Bournemouth game last night I've seen Liverpool and Tottenham and Manchester City go there and totally dominate Bournemouth but Manchester United just just got over the line got results and there's been too much of that this season I think they need to get back that fear factor and leverage that fear factor I just think when you, I, I just think, sorry, I just think when you when you see Manchester City, you see joy. When you see Manchester United, you see despair. When you see Manchester City, you see light and obviously darkness at Old Trafford. That's what I see. And I'm nowhere near a Manchester United or Manchester City fan. But if you if you're looking, if if, it's, if the choice was on the TV, which one are you going to watch? Paul Parker and Terry Butcher there um, joining us on the Mirror, Fo- Mirror Football Podcast. Uh, really appreciate um, them coming on as ever. Um, now I say from a request from. I say a couple of our listeners, which is always nice. It's really good to hear from you guys. And as I say, please do get in touch if you, there's anything you want to hear on the podcast. We used to talk a lot about the championship. Yeah, uh, you, you called that, didn't you, Aaron? No, I, did, I, I didn't call it. It's always like time, time consuming, isn't it? Mainly because you rattle on about Wolves. But Alex, we're giving you your chance. <laughs> we're giving you your stage back to rattle on about Wolves uh, right now. Because Wolves, you are Premier League. You are literally, you are literally Premier League now. Um, I don't play for him. Well, you're a Wolves fan. Um, can you give us a bit of an insight for people who haven't followed Wolves this season? I'm going to go to bar. And I say a, li- <laughs> I say a little insight. My, mine's a pint, Joe. <laughs> I say a little insight, Alex, into what we can expect from Wolves in the Premier League next season. Um, a very good footballing side. Um, they've been the best side in the Championship this season by some distance. You know, Fulham get a lot of plaudits for the way they play. Villa are there or thereabouts. Cardiff have overachieved. But Wolves have been consistently the best side. They've been top of the table throughout the campaign. Um, a lot of very good technical players. They can do with a striker. I don't think they've really hit that. They had Leo Bonatini. He's got 12 goals before Christmas. They struggled since. Benicophobi's been on loan from Bournemouth. He's got five goals. Um, but they've done a terrific job. Nuno, Portuguese manager, brought in at the start of the season. Very clear in what he wanted his side to do. Moved to a 3-4-3 formation. Same thing we saw with Chelsea last season. Um, he moved Conor Cody, former Liverpool kid. Moved him from centre midfield to centre half. Effectively as a sweeper. Um, and he has been absolutely outstanding throughout throughout season. Um, Ruben Neves has drawn all the plaudits in midfield. And he has been the best player in the championship by far. Better than Ryan Sessegnon. Without, without a doubt. Uh, Ryan Sessegnon has... Is a quite amazing young talent. He's been playing left wing for Slovenia Jakanovic all season, 14 goals, and he has been terrific. But Ruben Neves has controlled game after game after game. When he has, exactly. Yeah, the goals he has scored are outstanding. Six goals all outside the box. Doesn't touch um, inside, does he? See that thing? He, 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 he doesn't make runs inside the box. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't, his game is very much. Dictating the tempo, sitting in midfield, passing it, whether it's long, short, left foot, right foot. It, it, I mean, it, it's, it's this is a man who has captained, I mean, how old is he? What, 21? 21. He has captained the team in the Champions League. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and he's now at Wolves. Probably a and team. He's had, and he's had this season as, as so, far as he has at Wolves. Can, can, you, can you really keep hold of him? So, the reasons that Ruben Neves joined Wolves last summer, quite simply, Porto needed money. And they had a few players that they needed to move on. They moved Andre Silva onto Milan, but they still needed a little bit more. Ruben Neves has been linked with all sorts of sides in the last few years. But last season, he had a very disappointing, difficult season under our manager, Nuno. He was Porto boss, but didn't really play. The last two seasons, Neves has played less minutes than he has this entire campaign. So they need 15 million, and they're asking around, but... Your likes of Liverpool, Chelsea, Man United, these clubs that have been linked with him in the past, well, they're not interested in him when they can't guarantee 
that he's going to be physically or mentally ready for Premier League football week in, week out. They've all scouted him, they all know the qualities there. But it's that bit that has pushed him towards a move to Wolves. The Championship is shown worldwide far more on TV than the Portuguese League. So, again, it's another nudge towards if you want to get your World Cup place in the Portugal squad, then this is probably the best way to go about it. And it also proves that you can handle the physicality, the intensity, the mental strain playing in England week in, week out. And it's done that brilliantly. Yes, yeah. And, and, and it's, it just speaks volumes that all of a sudden Wolves win the title and suddenly Liverpool are interested in him. Man United are interested in him. Everybody wants a slice of this guy now. And that, that just goes to show you what a great job he's done. I also feel that with, with Nuno, we were talking in the summer like, what's going on here? Why, how is he going to get on the Wolves? A lot of people derided that um, appointment. It's just come to show that he's a fantastic manager. And I honestly think that if Wolves would have been in the Premier League this season, they would have finished in the top 10. That's how good they are. So you mentioned top 10. Alex, from what you've seen of Wolves now, what you can expect in the summer, are you going to finish top 10 next season? I think I think the key thing will, will obviously be keeping the likes of Neves. And, you know, Willy Bolly's on loan from Porto. He's been outstanding in the championship this season. Um, it looks like they will try and sign him in the summer. Diogo Jota's already signing from Atletico Madrid. He's got 17 goals and numerous assists. He's been excellent at 21. So he'll be staying. Um, as I said, they need to add a striker. They need to add in a few positions and strengthen. Um, they need to keep Neves because he is the conductor of the team. He's the on-field chief, effectively. Um, but there's no reason going up that they have anything to fear. I, if we're looking at it right now, I wouldn't think they'll be in a relegation battle simply because the Premier League outside the top six teams is much, yeah. of, a, much of a muchness. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, I think there's, an, there's been an argument this season to say relegate six teams and let six come up or something like that, really. But uh, I, I think, as, as Alex has said, I think it's fascinating what they'll do in the summer because uh, we all know we all know the, the, the Mendes situation and, and we know uh, the access to players that he has and all that sort of stuff. And, and, and But also, why wouldn't, go, why wouldn't you want to go and play for a good manager like Nuno who's, who's done a fantastic job? So... Um, if you're uh, you know, a player interested in coming to the Premier League um, in the summer, uh, not saying you're listening now, but if, if, if you're, if, you know, you're going to be looking at, looking at Wolves, aren't you, as, as, as an attractive destination? So, uh, very briefly on the Championship as well, like I said, before we, we wrap up, um, the relegation battle is interesting. Sunderland, gone at this point. Not officially, oh not quite officially, but they're, they're pretty much gone, as are, as are Burton. Um, from what we've seen of the championship this season, see, it looks like the other spot is that can be taken by either Bolton, Birmingham, or Barnsley. All the in there. All the um, I mean, some some big teams there that you probably you yeah. want to see in, in, I, in league. I, I think, think I think there's an argument that Chris Coleman made the worst managerial move. I I knew this was coming. We've had this talk many times before. I mean, I got the whole leaving Wales thing. I can see that. That was fine, but what's he doing? He jumped, he jumped the gun, didn't he? Yeah, he jumped the gun good. and went into that job. About he three could have jobs came about. We should have, should have waited. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, the West Brom job, for example. Yeah, West probably Brom came up. Everton. Stoke came up. Southampton yeah. came up. Yeah. He should have just waited yeah, another yeah. another month, six weeks. Yeah. There's yeah. no guarantee he'd have got any of those jobs, but if he'd have waited, he'd have been very much in, in the running for them. Um, out of the other mix at the bottom, um, from... Alex, you obviously watch a little, a little bit more championship than the rest of us. Who, who do you think is going to go? There's a Burton and Sunderland probably down. There's Bolton, Birmingham, Barnsley are the big teams. Yeah. Big Premier League I, I think Barnsley are currently in that spot, and I think that they're the one I would pick. Uh, Birmingham have improved since Gary Monks took over. I think they'll grind out enough results. I think Phil Parkinson and Bolton, have, uh, just for them to still be above that zone, I think he's yeah. done a, a very good yes. job, yeah. and I think they'll grind it out as well. It's amazing to see Reading in 19th. I mean, a season after they were Wembley. Yeah, it's mean, incredible. The Wem- Wembley thing in Reading was a big, one of the biggest flukes going. Well, I say they 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 were shootout away from being in the Premier League. I mean, Reading even that season when they when they made Wembley, I remember the few times I was thinking, really bored. It was like watching yeah. the, it was like watching a Mourinho yeah. team. Now yeah. it was really really boring. Um, but I said that they got there and it's obviously backfired on them um, this the season. Big um, thing with the Championship is obviously going to be, you know, that second spot between Cardiff and Fulham now, that yeah. Fulham equaliser they conceded against Brentford last weekend. How does that play on their confidence and their mind? They've got a really tough game at Millwall on Friday yeah. night. 
um, it's fascinating, and isn't then, it? So many teams. And then the championship um, playoff battle. I think we should quickly bring in Jake Murder on this one because yeah. he is a championship uh, connoisseur, an expert in the championship. Jake, Brentford, we know that they're close to your heart. They've got a chance of reaching the playoffs. They have got a chance, but I think they're a little bit too far away to be honest. Uh, it depends on other results. Uh, Fulham do us a favour and beat Friday night. They're not going to want to do you a favour after last weekend. Well, they? <laughs> they need a win to keep their own hopes alive as Spider put the game in hand against Derby in the next midweek. So, I mean, if that was to happen, if Derby and Mill were both to lose the weekend, um, they're wide open. Um, four points, inferior goal. So, we're an outside bet. Um, you know, Preston should be not in the mix. But I think probably some real Millwall this season. Yeah, where they've gone, oh, Matty, are you excited about the prospects of Millwall? In the Premier League? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was thinking it was going to be in the Championship West Ham, yeah, but yeah. actually, it could be in the Premier League. And Jack, so, you, you were saying to me earlier about Millwall, the amount of money they've spent on their squad. It's fascinating in terms of they haven't really spent a lot, have they? I mean, they're one of the, the least. They're, 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 the squad that the wages they've got is, is barely anything. Um, They've done an incredible job. Neil Harris, every time I've seen them this season, they've given top teams a good run for their money. Um, if you go to the den, you'll get a game. They've relied on their academy yeah. as well, which is refreshing to see. I think, um, I think two of the toughest really games Wolves had this season at the den, uh, a 2 all draw. Yeah. And at Molyneux, Wolves won 2 1, but it was 1 0 one, one, one rather, and it was so close. But it's instilled that Millwall spirit. Yeah. Them. You don't want to play them, it'd be great. You I mean, don't want to go there. I mean, I'm a Brentford <laughs> fan, of course, I love. Yes, but if we don't, I would really like to see another team. They're a good well. example of teams that you might not have the riches that some of your rivals have, but see what team spirits can get you along and the way. Any, yeah, team, really any, team, I mean, any team that goes 17 games unbeaten in that league mm. deserves respect. Yeah, yeah, definitely. What about, what about Villa quickly? Because I was, was, was going to say Villa. They've spent a lot of money, yeah. in, but let's not forget Villa were on the floor. I think Villa, Villa are the ones, obviously, you don't really talk about them because they're very much in, I mean, they're already in the playoffs, so you don't talk about them in that battle. And they're not in the in the automatic. So it's it's failing. Under the radar. They've got a fantastic manager at that level, though, and I think he. It, it also just sort of seems right that Villa will come back. Do you know what I mean? To the yeah. Premier League. So the big, big uh, thing I fancy them. They they beat Wolves four one, Villa Park. It was a great result, and they were very much in promotion contention. Yeah. To go up automatically, mm. and then they they didn't build on that at all. They had a really poor run directly after that, and now they're very much in the playoffs, in the lottery. As you say, Steve Bruce, he knows the terrain. Yeah, he does. Can he get them up for those three games? Can they get them? That's a great swan song for uh, John Terry. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, it would be weird seeing him in the Premier League again after kind of the year off the ocean farewell. And again, no, Middlesbrough, another big club, mm. should have been. They spent a lot of money last summer. Steve Gibson was voted as saying he wanted to smash the league. <laughs> didn't work for Gary Monk. Tony Pulis is there now. Tony Pulis and Odama Traore is something that we should have a podcast about in the future. Just and, that relationship. And, and, and also Tony Pulis just standing up at every press conference. Yes. Yeah, he's yeah, yeah, superiority yeah. over yeah. his <laughs> So very quickly before we finish, because this is literally the longest podcast we have ever done. Well, we're enjoying just, it. We're we're it. Get a we're enjoying it. We? We, we, right, we, we, we are enjoying it. But, you know, I mean, when we're trying to fit ourselves in everybody's half-hour morning commute and we're having to have dozen two parts, it might get a little grouchy. Who's, who's going to go up there? I mean, I think we can probably say Cardiff are probably, can with that game in hand, Cardiff? are probably no. going to go up. That game in hand is at Derby, and there is a lot of niggle about yeah. that, given Ooh. how it was cancelled yeah. and oh, things that yeah. were said yeah. after yeah. it was cancelled. Uh, my three, are, well, obviously, there's, so there's Wolves. I'm going Fulham and Villa. Fulham automatically? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm going Fulham automatically, and I'm going to go Millwall. Yeah, Millwall says the West Ham fans. If, <laughs> if Fulham can win on Friday night, it puts a lot of pressure on, on Cardiff. Yeah. But yeah. saying that, I don't think Fulham win at Millwall on Friday night. So I think Cardiff, with that, those two extra games they will then have, being level on points, I think Cardiff go up in second. I think your, your playoff fight then comes down to Fulham or Villa. It's literally what we just and, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, I, and I think I think that when they're at Wembley it's, yeah. there we go hang on she's had enough exactly um, yeah. uh, Jake I don't uh, want to guess I think it, I don't think Fulham will beat Millwall on uh, 
Friday night from Cardiff to drive to Christmas they gave the against a Fortnite Derby side. So I'd go Cardiff and I think Villa. I completely agree. I was going Cardiff Villa. Ideally, living in London, Fulham get promoted because oh. everybody wants a day out at yeah. Craven Cottage next season. Oh, yeah. It's great it's summer, summer by the way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, no, very, very so you, cool. you could do a podcast on Fulham hospitality as well. Very <laughs> <laughs> good. It's even better when you're celebrating in front of the director's box. Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, guys, thank you very much. Um, thank, thank you. Thanks. Thank you for shipping the beers over halfway through this podcast. Yeah, uh, Jake, I really, <laughs> really appreciate it. Um, yeah, this has been a bit different. We've been outside, but it's, it's been good fun. Um, let us know if you'd like us to do more podcasts outside. Yes. Because I quite enjoy drinking. This, this, yeah, yeah, but this, uh, the, the summer's yeah. coming, the World's Cup coming. You know, we, 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 oh, yeah. we, we can do this. We, we, we can we do this quite regularly. Yeah. Um, yeah, do let us know. We, we um, do do it, it's just not recorded. Yeah, we, we, oh, we, yeah. we do it very frequently. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we will record more of our drinking <laughs> We could talk about Aaron's Connect Four abilities oh, as well. Oh, no, 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 moves, no, no. They beat you in four moves. This is definitely the point to end the podcast. Um, if, listen, if you don't subscribe already, uh, you can do so on iTunes, Audio Moves, Spotify, yeah. all of the lot. Um, but until then, so we'll, we will be back next week. We will be back next Tuesday, so next Thursday, um, talking about Tuesday's game between Liverpool and Roma and so much more. Uh, so please do join us for that. But until then, uh, enjoy the uh, enjoy the weekend's action, and we will see you soon. <laughs>